0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. All
1: right, so the time is 12 minutes past the hour of 11 o'clock. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of what it is to live in South Africa at the moment. Two weeks ago, there was a disturbing incident where a 13-year-old uh, just... Just past adolescence, the 13-year-old pupil at the Primrose Primary School in Germiston went to school brandishing a gun and shot at the school principal. By God's grace, uh, the principal sustained injuries but didn't die. But the real question that was being asked is how does a 13-year-old have access to a gun, let alone a gun that they were able to carry all the way to school and let alone a Lashing out at a teacher. And before we completely turn our attention and focus on the 13 year old, um, you know, questions have been raised about what levels of frustration, trauma, anxiety a 13 year old has to go to school and do that. What is the environment like? inside that schoolyard for a child to feel that the only way they can defend themselves is by carrying a gun to school. Now, this particular incident was preceded a month earlier Uh, with a tragedy that struck the old Oakdale Secondary School in Annerdale, where a grade 8 student lost their life after being stabbed by a fellow learner. And this is not the first time we're hearing about, you know, violence on the school premises. Um, There have been numerous cases, numerous, too many to count, of bullying on school grounds. And the worst kind of bullying, not that there's any tolerable bullying, but we're not talking verbal exchanges here. We're talking... Fights that become, uh, that lead to casualties and even at times fatalities. Um, last Friday, reports emerged of a of uh, six grade 12 students. So strict six matriculants from malan High School in Humansdorp being suspended due to allegations of sexually assaulting a grade 8 pupil. So school is where children are supposed to go to learn. Uh, they are entrusted to the teachers um, and the adults on the premises for their safekeeping. But it turns out this is where children are not the safest. The secondary issue is what are the pressures that young people are feeling that is leading them to lash out, act out, uh, be so angry? And where they don't lash out, they numb that pain with drug and substance abuse. Too many stories of drunkenness on school premises, people drinking those habli shisha pipes, uh, drugs as well. Uh, a lot of people that we talk about who are on all manner of drugs uh, from nyaupe to Wonga, those are school-going aged young people. What are the issues that are facing uh, young people in South Africa? And when there's this level of violence, where do we approach? lay the blame? How do we apportion that blame? Many parents want to blame it on the government, but we heard our callers in the open line saying, no, where are the parents to parent their children? And so what's the confluence? What, what can be done by government to create a safe environment at schools and just generally in society? Where can children go and um, express their vulnerability when they're feeling very, very tender? Who catches them in the community? And then um, how do we empower teachers as well? And then the parents, where do they step in? It's a it's a difficult one, but hopefully our experts will help us. We're joined by Dr. Fatima Moussi, who's a senior lecturer at UJ's Department of Social Work and Community Development. Good morning. Good morning, Leracha. Thank you for having me today. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you for coming through. We're also joined by Dr. Dumisile Nala, the CEO of Childline. Good morning, Dumisile. Good morning,
2: Lerato and the listeners, and thank you for having us as well.
1: It is our pleasure. And then uh, we've got Lumka Olifant with me in studio. She's the spokesperson for the Department of Social Development. Lumka, good morning.
0: Good morning to you, Lerato, and also good morning to the KFM listeners. Thank you for inviting <sighs> us.
1: Hi, hey, Lumka. Okay, it's fine. We love you anyway. Okay, so you were telling me, Lumka, that this weekend um, you visited a child um, center. Uh, It's part of your work. But but when you go there, um, you always walk out with a heavy heart. Why?
0: Literally on Saturday when I came back from this child and youth care center, I came home and I slept. Just because of the stories that you hear from children. And I was there for another a story on migrant children because yeah. we are busy documenting the work that the department is doing. And at a child youth, and you know, child and youth care center, there's different children who are there who are, who are in need of care and protection. So um, when you listen to children, you hear that children are going through a lot. You know, we went to Manenberg uh, earlier this month and these kids were saying to us that... Um, they had witnessed their aunt being shot. Mm. You know, we went uh, on had dialogues around the country where we're talking to children on the national strategic plan on gender-based bi- gender-based violence and femicide, and we're talking to children about what is missing in that document, because the children had told the president that there's, there needs to be a separate pillar for them, for us to look into what 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 they are going through, and we. In different provinces, what the children were saying, also, stop saying when you talk about us and violence that women and children take us out of there because women are violent against us. Mm. Men are violent against us. Children, uh, teachers are violent against us. Everybody is violent against us. So don't put us together with these adults because yeah. everywhere we go, there is no adult that is Actually, respecting us and hearing us and and teaching us and 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 treating us as children, mm. I, I can go on and on. There okay. on the stories that we hear, yeah. and 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 when this particular story that you just quoted of the child who shot the principal, immediately I I I because I got my media money, I get yeah. my media monitoring, and then I send it to my yeah. colleagues to just look at what is happening yeah. around the media and what has happened and um and i put it on the whatsapp group that we are with the welfare services yeah. uh, the social workers are there and you know there was silence in the in the whatsapp group wow. you know because i i could feel that my colleagues were just overwhelmed, overwhelmed you know And uh, later on, one of of my colleagues who works and and does the gangsterism uh, strategy for the department and goes to different secure centers where we take children in conflict with the law, she then sent me a message, you know, on the side. And she said, I'm not saying children are right, you know, because she also wants me to feel what they are feeling and also be able to to understand that children are a mirror. Of, of their communities.
1: Yeah. I wanted to ask, you know, if if the young people who are in child and youth centres say we don't feel safe in the presence of adults, that's what they're telling you. And it doesn't matter <laughs> whether it's a male adult, female adult, but adults just aren't good people. How do the re- adults respond to those accusations? Okay. <laughs> so again, what do they
0: say? Yeah. Remember, when we talk to children, we just talk to children alone. Yeah. And then we talk to children with parents. Yeah. And I remember we were in Kemspe and parents also were not even aware that what they say to their children, their children don't like it. Mm -hmm. And we always feel that children don't know that they need to be disciplined, but they don't want you to hit them. You know, Um, in every uh, children's parliament that I've ever attended, um, the children always said, tell our parents to stop beating us when when uh, when when they when 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 they discipline us you can open lines now when we talk about parents and disciplining children and saying we mustn't heed children this conversation will turn upside down because Mm. we don't know how to treat with children you know we don't know that we must talk to our children we don't know that violence begets violence and you were talking about our, our our history we also come from a very violent history you know where also our parents didn't know how to to, to be parents they mm-hmm. didn't know how to discipline us mm-hmm. you know and when you hear our stories Lilardo, about how our parents used to um used to discipline us and then now we are a democracy, and how do we then, as this uh, generation, then discipline our children yeah. when we come from families that didn't know how to? Yeah. So, this is where then uh, you were talking about the stepping in of government. This is where we have uh, family programs where we try and teach parents how to be parents because we just Get into parents. Yeah. We don't parenting. We don't know yeah. how to be parents. There's no formula. There's no formula. Yeah,
1: and and that context matters in South Africa, and what's been normalised versus what hasn't been uh, normalised. Uh, also, my era, I wasn't aware that via Teams online, we have Dr. Nesizwa Titi, a researcher and lecturer at the University of Cape Town's Department of African Feminist Studies. Uh, Dr. Titi, good morning. Happy. Okay. Hi, everybody. Hello. Thank you so much for coming through um, and joining the conversation. But perhaps let's do this. Let's give you the platform now, Dr. Titi, coming in with your background on African feminist studies. As Lumka was saying, uh, when we talk adults, we are using the holistic term of people who should be more aware, more responsible. It doesn't matter whether they're, they're male or female. And, of course, a lot of the narratives in South Africa around violence around addiction, um, around, you know, um, behaviors that are harmful. A lot of those narratives center around the man and what men do or what men don't do. But children are saying they're not feeling safe even in the presence of women.
3: Yeah. Um. It's a complicated issue, but I think that we have to understand first the um, the norms in which um, childhoods occur, hmm. what children are exposed to, hmm. um, what children are... Are made to, 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 to live under yeah so and before we can even talk um talk about that um with children okay. we need to first um no can see where children live and its townships okay so what's happening and they what are the, the norms they what are the um issues that determine the kind of Um that that adults give to children and why. So it isn't about it isn't really about men and women. Um it is about um well, what kind of lifestyles are there and what um the causes are. So let's talk a bit about the environments a bit and see what 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 the causes are.
1: Okay, thank you for that, uh, Dr. Titi. So Dr. Titi is saying uh, that we have to go to the root causes and we have to understand the normative basis in which parents parent their children and i think i've often heard power fm listeners saying without without being too judgmental but saying there's something to be said for young people becoming parents too early because when children are forced to be parents how are we expecting them to really have the requisite emotional mental skills and tools to parent their children, and and some people have actually thrown that out as an additional variable. Dr. Fatima Musa, let's bring you into the conversation. From your observation, what is what is at the heart of so much violence in our communities, and in our homes, and in our schools? Lumka said we have to understand South Africa comes from a history of terrible uh, state-sponsored violence, and we can't uh, ignore that. It's true. You know, and that violence then filters through throughout society as a whole where it's okay. You know, people were having an argument in a shop and it went pear-shaped and somebody got stabbed. It doesn't happen like that anywhere else but in a country where people solve issues through violence.
4: Thank you, Lira, for making me part of this very important but also at the same time a very um, sad reality of our time. Um, I agree 100% with Lunga saying and I think for me it brings back to what, where my viewpoint stands that um, violence is a very complex thing and we, 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 we need not to make a mistake of looking at it from one angle. For me it's a, a multifaceted social issue because it, it, it goes from an individual up until the society in general. So um, when we look into South Africa as a whole, the environment that we tend to find ourselves in, it can be quite a very complex environment. And often most of our young children find it very difficult to navigate through this very complex environment. And even more so um, where most of our children come from families that are very, uh, um, lack of a better word, dysfunctional. Um, and that poses a lot of uh, of responsibility on a growing child that still needs to find their place in society and still needs to have their own identity. So you can imagine in, in instances, for instance, if we're talking about violence in schools, when you think of where most of our schools are situated, it's within township areas, and really some of these township areas, violence is order of the day. And unfortunately for most of our children, um, what they tend to see as role models becomes um, these people that are available in community that present themselves in a certain way and they are seen as having power, for instance, like your gangster. Um, so all those things are, are some of the contributing issues that doesn't mitigate for a child that already comes out of a very vulnerable mm-hmm. circumstances and entering a bigger society that actually uh, increase those vulnerabilities. And I think um, the, the, the 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 first panel member mentioned two uh, issues such as your substance abuse, but in addition to substance abuse i also want to add um, psychological and emotional difficulties that some of these children go through and i think what is in uh, perpetuate those difficulties in some instances is because we live in times where we replace parental engagement with gadgets most of our children spend a lot more time on social media and the reality is that uh, them being exposed to so much on social media, we, we ended up with mm. a situation where social media takes a parenting okay. role of our children.
1: Yeah.
4: This- and, 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 and unfortunately, because they are still developing young individuals, they lack emotional intelligence to determine what impact this, the type of content they find on social media Is likely to have in them um, and also the impact it is likely to have on their mental well-being later in the future so for, for those reasons i think one of the significant issues that really needs attention and to be explored on is how do we help parents to begin and Build as well
1: as maintain healthy relationship with your okay. children. I just want to bring in Dumisile Nala. It's very a very brief intervention, but we'll hear more from you after the headlines. Uh, what Dr Musi is explaining to us is there's even a modern day dimension. To the pressures that children are feeling, so it's everything historical that we've spoken about. It's social, but then social, but then social media and this Instagram lifestyle starts to complicate things because it creates another kind of pressure on young people.
2: That is very true, and we are seeing uh, that our children and young people, even within your home environment, they are spending a lot of time on social media. And I agree with Dr. Fatima in terms of they do not have the intellectual or emotional capacity to deal with what they see. And that creates a lot of challenges. We talk about bullying. There's a lot of bullying that is taking place on social media. We talk about young people not understanding their footprint on social media and the fact that it exists. Uh, For a very long time and when things come back, uh, it creates a lot of challenges for them So not only are things happening offline, they are happening online Mm. So it means our children are experiencing these challenges Continuously, we are with them at home. We think they are sleeping in their bedrooms. They are on social media and they are confronted with things which are even beyond their age or their capacity to comprehend.
1: Okay, so children living in the real world and in the metaverse, as it were. So they live online They live in a reality that's around them, and navigating these two spheres is very, very difficult for them. We're in conversation with Dr. Fatima Moussi, who is a senior lecturer at the University of Johannesburg's Department of Social Work and Community Development. Dumsila Nala is the CEO of Childline. We also have Lumka Olifan, spokesperson in the Department of Social Development, and from UCT, Dr. Nesizwa Titi, uh, who is in the Department of African Feminist Studies. It's time for the news.
3: Getting you
0: what you need to know. Power Talk, weekdays 9 a.m. to noon on Power
5: 98.7.
1: All right, so we are talking about social pressures that young South Africans are dealing with, and they're very, very real, and how then they express themselves. And it seems to be that in many, many instances, I'm just going to say many, I'm not going to say the majority, uh, young people resort to violence. Um, and what young people do, psychologists will insist, is a mirror of society. So if children are quick to get into fist fights or have access to a gun and shoot a principal or stab fellow students at school, it's because they live in societies where this kind of violence has been normalised. So we can say many things about children, but we also need to be asking questions about the parents. And even earlier on, we were talking about two owners of a tavern in East London who were convicted for for selling alcohol to underaged uh, people, underaged South Africans. And in the end, they were given a... 5,000 rand fine, or, or, so it's not in addition, 100 days in prison for selling alcohol to young people. 21 of these young people drinking underage eventually died of a form of asphyxiation and, you know, from gaseous tubes in there. But what we've been told is uh, the culpable homicide is another uh, case altogether. But the question that's been raised is, When your child is not home, your teenage child is not home and you are well aware that they are drinking in a tavern, what do you say as a parent? And so we also have to talk about parenting. We're in conversation with Dr. Fatima Musi, Dumsile Nala, Lumka Oliphant and also Dr. Nessizwa Titi. Dr. Titi, just a a question to you. And um, this one is a disturbing one about um, last Friday. Six matriculants, so grade 12 students, being suspended from school over allegations of sexual assault of a grade 8 pupil. So um, it's not only that children are going to school and being bullied, which is unconscionable. It's that even young girls get raped at school. Mm.
3: So... So I think what the speakers have shared about um about excess um the the media is is important. Um there is a problem that we are facing and and it is uh, it's porn. The excess that children have. And what they see, and and what they wanna try, is very very important here. So 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 we do need to think about the um, impact that the last excess has on has on them um and i and i cannot say now what that can be done because we are also the same people who say that um children have a right to choose uh, you know so so i think that we need to, 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 to talk about the kind of of excess that um kids have and and how we can manage that
1: yeah
3: i'll, uh, I'll stop there
1: thank you so much thanks for your interventions lumka your views on this one so There's so many dimensions to the violence. It can start with bullying, which is very, very serious. It can then turn very violent. It could even end up in sexual assault. So the full spectrum is what children have to endure. Because
0: that's what we do also to children and to ourselves. The fact that the country, we, we, we have a whole dedicated campaign that says we need to talk about sexual violence, we need to talk about... Uh, violence in general against women and children. It means that this is this is the South Africa that we are, and we cannot stop. Um, you know, talking and educating people on how. Uh, to also use the democracy that we have, we cannot stop talking to parents about how to discipline out their children. We cannot stop talking to men about how to tr- how to treat um women. We also cannot stop to talk, talk talking to women about what can they be able to do when their children are faced you uh, know with such with with, with with such such things so we, this is the society of South Africa. And it it is our problem. And we need to come together and be able to assist each other. We must assist each other at school. We must assist each other at home. We must be able to see also that the policies that are out there are implemented and also children are feeling safe. We don't only talk about children when there's an incident. We don't only talk to children when there's an incident. It must be an everyday thing that says that we must be a country that respects children. You know, uh, we must be a country that gives children a voice How many of us as parents when we make decisions do we ever speak to our children and find out how they feel about things and um, when we start talking about how we children have a right. We start rebelling as parents as well that it is because your government you've given these children rights. Yeah. That but they are human beings. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've heard that,
0: before yeah. Well. They yeah, are yeah. human beings. We have a constitution that is human rights based, yeah. therefore, it doesn't include it, doesn't exclude children. Children are included there so. When we want to do things to children, when we want to change things at home, when we want to discipline children, we must understand that we are talking about human beings who also have a right and who also have a voice, and their voice matters.
1: I've heard many people say, oh, the government's given uh, children too many rights. So let's just understand whether the principles of the Constitution come into play and where the latitudes of parents to parent their children begin so in other words for parents to say yeah I I will comply fully with the law and the principles of the law but this is still my child and I feel I need to discipline them or correct them the best way I know how
0: but correct the child with love speak to the child like she he she he or she is a human being you know um, even the words that media use when describing children when they are in conflict with the law you know i read headlines that say delinquent children when government is trying to also say be soft when you when you're speaking to children who have committed a crime don't call them criminals call them children in conflict with the law, you know. Uh, we we, we, yeah, we, we okay. don't send our children to jail. Uh, we send our children to secure centers. So there's also even language that government has has for us so that you can be able to understand that we want our children, even when they commit crime, to still be loved, to still be seen, you know, and and, 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 and Treat them and have a second chance. Don't condemn them to a life of nothingness. You okay, know. so
1: let me let me push back a little bit by asking a question. From where you sit in the Department of Social Development, with the experts that you work with and um, uh, many of those on the front line, such as social workers, what are the reasons, you believe, that are causing this rising tide of youth related violence i don't want to use the words delinquency mm. but certainly addiction um behaviors that end up creating a situation where children are in conflict with the law it feels like and i don't know you can mm. give us the stat it feels like there's more and more and more of these instances i don't know if the, the the data supports that
0: yeah we we do have um you know as i was talking to you at the beginning that when i sent the the, the message to my colleagues the, the colleague who, was, who works with these cases gave me a number of examples, mm. you know, and where she was quoting in each and every province. Just for, for her, I think it was also out of frustration. Mm. I think all of us, we, we, we have we have spoken about the many things that are happening to children. I was sharing with you now that I met children from the DRC that, uh, that are, are in the country, you know, and those children were telling me, horror stories of how they even came to South Africa, what was happening in their home countries. The one child uh, doesn't remember anything about the DRC, but she re- he remembers uh, going to Angola and staying in Angola and coming back to South Africa. So there is a lot of things that our children are going through, you know, and their environments. And maybe because um, they're not, so, not as busy as they should be, because mm. if... Uh, after school, we know that a child is doing this, is doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. and yeah. and and I've seen it uh, as well with uh, with 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 uh, you know the higher private schools, how busy those children are in the in the in in the weekends, they've got soccer matches, they've got rugby matches. They don't have time, you know, to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we also just need to make sure that we we have programs for children at school, at home in their communities so that they they remain children, they play, they do all yeah. kinds of things so that we we have this child protection system that is there that works for children.
1: Okay. Uh Demisile, let's bring into the conversation because Lumka's raising other issues, which is when children are stimulated with extramural activities, um, then you know, they seldom get into their own heads, uh, to use a common term. The irony, though, is we do hear of many, many instances of mental health problems within the private schooling system. So um, I'm not sure that it's entirely true that, you know, um, just by keeping children busy doesn't mean they're going to have mental health. But there's definitely an issue here uh, that, that that is related to poverty and access, wealth mm-hmm. and opportunities that compounds the problem is what I'm hearing Lumka say.
2: Mm-hmm. I I agree. Um, I think, you know, maybe just to go back a bit, we were talking about an environment that feels overwhelming for us as professionals in our attempt to help children and families. So you can imagine how much more a child and a young person feels overwhelmed by all that is happening around them. And I think when we look at interventions, we cannot look at just one aspect. We have to look at it in a comprehensive manner and I do believe that sports and activities that children are interested in, it contributes a lot in terms of helping them feel contained, it helps them feel disciplined and challenged as well. So we could look at that in terms of an individual level. But also from there, you look at how parents then engage with that. Because when we talk about children being busy and involved in sports, it's about parents and caregivers being involved and participating and encouraging children in those instances. So you can imagine that probably within a family home, if a child is doing well and enjoying sports, as a family we're probably talking more about what is going well than focusing on the negativity and all the things and and all the negative energies that we can we can experience but also um how as a parent do you let your child involved get involved in sports When you know when they come home late, they have to go via a bush somewhere which is not safe. So already as a community, how then do we make our environments more safer for children? And one can go on and on to really outline that it's not just one aspect that will make a difference in our children's lives. Okay. It's a very comprehensive and we look at all elements and how we work together for that, even looking at sports for it to be effective. It needs all of us and all those different bits to work together to save our kids and young people.
1: Okay. Dr. Musi, uh, I hear you nodding through the airwaves, so uh, please add. Yes,
4: yes, I agree with the speaker 100%. And another thing that was actually cropping up in my mind is that um, also as parents, we really need to rethink on how we um, socialize our children. I think the first speaker put it very nicely to say that as a society, we we are very traumatized uh, uh, society. Of course, the trauma that we inherited from our past. And unfortunately, because of this trauma, in some instances, some parents might not have healed from such trauma. And as they parents, um, the children, it gets transferred into these children. And then we ended up with a vicious cycle where we are having children that are going to grow up to become traumatized individuals. So um, the, 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 the issue of paying attention to children's psychosocial functioning is very, very important because... In most instances, um, some parents are of the view that if you have a home for a child, you give food, the child goes to school, yeah. they've done their part. But it goes deeper than that. We, we, As a parent, we want to connect with what is happening to this child psychologically. Is this child is in a position mm-hmm. that they are able to cope with the treasure that they experience out there? And once the parent is able to pick up, we know the parent doesn't have all the answers. There's no manual out there that tells the parent Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. to raise the child. But as a parent, when you are aware of what are some of the things that could be posing challenges for your child, then you can reach out to the right people, like your psychologist, your social worker, to seek uh, uh, um, intervention on how you can be assisted to 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 help your child with this
1: psychological and mental challenges. I want to come back to you here and I just want us to perhaps bring the conversation to the ground. Let's just bring it to ground level. A teacher was shot by a 13-year-old. In fact, speaking from his hospital bed here on Power 98.7, he says I actually had to pretend to be dead Mm -hmm. so that he doesn't pull the trigger a second time Mm -hmm. so from that I'm understanding the rage of this young Mm -hmm. person that Mm -hmm. if the teacher had not pretended to be dead he might actually have ended up being dead Mm -hmm. so we are not just talking about young people with mental health issues who need a little bit of love and support we're talking about children who can be very very malicious very very violent very very angry And if we were to open the lines now to just say, you know, how afraid have adults become of children in their communities? No, Lumka, you know, if we just were to do it anecdotally, what do we see young boys and girls doing on street corners after school or even during the day when they're supposed to be in school? What language is used towards um, figures of authority when children can just speak in any which way? to an adult, because you're not my mother, you're not my father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On a real granular level, something is not adding up in South Africa, Domicile, and the question is, what is that issue? What What is this issue that South mm-hmm. Africa is having to manage mm-hmm. right now?
2: Mm-hmm. I agree, something is not adding up. And I think for that young person to end up carrying a gun and shooting a teacher or the principal, It wasn't just an occurrence that took place from that day. Uh, One has to go back and think what has been going on in this young person's life. What has been going on in his environment to believe that it is okay to behave in a manner that he did. And it is possible that something happened within the school or the principal just happened to be that voice of authority Uh, which somehow was in the wrong place at the wrong time and found himself being pointed with the gun. So, you know, when children grow, they don't grow being aggressive or wanting to kill. It is something that we, as adults, as communities, as government, all of us, it is something we expose them to and they absorb it over time. Mm -hmm. And then it leads to this. Of course, as an individual children have particular personalities that interact with what we expose them to. So one has to, I don't think as we were saying before, it's a simple, straightforward answer or explanation. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: It's a very complex thing, but we have to understand what has happened to lead us to where we are now, because this child did not wake up and say, I'm taking a gun, I'm going to school, I'm going to shoot someone.
1: Yeah, okay, so, so it's a build-up. Dr. Musi, perhaps you want to add to this as well, because I hear you also nodding, and the issue is, you know, kids are, are, are a reflection of society, but does it mean societies become this violent and with such impunity?
4: Absolutely. Um, in my view, without a doubt, uh, in my mind, I think that um, as a society, we honestly need to revisit some of our forefathers' moral principles and, and make an effort to invest on those principles. Um, for instance, we we, we we have this principle of Ubuntu that we love so much. And I think we need to engage in self-talk, but also in an introspection as a society to say to what extent are we living the truth of the Ubuntu spirit that we love so much? Yeah. The same as we, we, some of us, we grew up in times where it was said it takes a, family, a village to raise a child. And we, 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 we somehow lived and saw the significance of that approach. But currently we find ourselves where. It's very difficult for you to trust your child with the next person because of mm. uh, uh, the ill moral principle that continues to uh, um, play itself out in our society. Yeah. So um, this is a responsibility that uh, goes across. It, 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 But it has to okay. start somewhere and continue in the society. Right. If we leave it as the responsibility for the parents, we might still not get it right. That's why when I started, I said... Uh, dealing with uh, violence in our society has many dimensions and it's very important that we get to understand the interplay that is taking place between those environments okay. if we are really serious about coming up with, with with effective and responsive approaches into these issues and for me also one, the, another thing that i want to raise particularly for us professionals who are working with uh, individuals on a daily basis and we are uh, how violent and the, uh, the, how, how severe these type of issues are out there. I think um, for, for, for for us professionals, what is important is that we need to begin to invest a lot more on community based intervention approaches. Okay, Junior, uh,
1: Okay, thanks for that, Junior and Soshanguva Very briefly.
5: Yes, you know, I stay in juglane a very Violent, I mean area it has been mm. on the news and what I've realized is that the majority of these young the perpetrators of this violence are very young and they grow up in yeah. tension filled environment and there is too much over hunger and one of the things that I've really observed is that we haven't seen anything from government in terms of intervention. And most of the time when there is crime, I see this punitive approach from SAPS where you arrest them, lock them, and they get released and they come and commit crime again until they are eliminated in the system through inter-rivalry gangs and everything. Yeah. What I want to see or from the Department of Social Development is that those projects, most especially anger management and other programs, they need to bring them into the community. But we need to deal with the violence, deal with the environment that produced. Okay. I mean, the young people who are so willing to kill for such minor things as cell phones Mm. and everything. So hunger here is quite, quite very high. That's my concern.
1: No, and I think it's an important thing. Uh, Poverty is a huge component of the problem, says Junior in Soshanguwe. Lumka, let's wind this conversation down and let's talk about community-led interventions we're hearing about, restorative justice programs, and even the language you use as you say, let's not criminalize children, let's try to understand the problem and let's see them as... Children in conflict with the law because uh, it doesn't mean they'll always be in conflict with the law if we make speedy and steady interventions.
0: Yes, um, there, there are uh, quite a lot of, of of programs that government has in communities, and as I was counting for you, mm. each and every week we are in a community to do that facilitation, to speak to children, to speak to parents, to speak to communities, so that we can be able to find out what are the burning issues in those particular uh, uh, communities and be able to have targeted interventions there. This weekend we were in Bali, you know, in Mm Bidamaritsbeck. There's been a lot of violence in Bali, in Bidamaritsbeck, people being killed. And social development is that department that has to go there and be able to find out What's the matter here, mm. so that we can be able to feed into all other departments? If it is an issue of um, sport, it is an issue of we are that department that has to be there to be yeah. able to say. So uh, we we try to cover as many as many communities. You can talk to me about many communities and the things that I see because we are forever yeah. there, you know, and um, and we also have programs just targeted at children. For instance, we have a programme called um Chomi, we have a program called YOLO that is just for children where we can be able to have a place where children can be able to play but also tell us what are the issues that are there where I was talking about a child who was saying that you know I want to be a child but here in Manenberg you know I can be walking around here and there's a shooting you know we also have a program a program on gangsterism you know where we are trying to talk to children about gangsterism and what is it that makes children join gangsters so yeah Okay. It's, it's it's a lot of work that needs all of us to come Absolutely. on board. Absolutely.
1: Very briefly, Fatima Musi, a last comment from you. Yes, um, the last comment for me. I think,
4: firstly, um, as professionals, we have the responsibility to reach out to our communities and to really try to engage with them, with the intent to understand what their are, what are the issues that they are faced with, because. It, it, it almost seems like in most instances we just go out there and assume on what the issues are in the community and i think mm-hmm. that that is also the disconnect between ourselves as service providers and communities mm-hmm. so um us uh, making ourselves available to these communities to really and truly engage with them is the point of departure okay. in trying to look into possible ways on how this problem can be mitigated. Right. Uh,
2: Dumcila Nala, last comment. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I think from my side, um, we've got extensive research and researchers who tell us what is contributing to the challenges we're experiencing, and they highlight interventions that can work. So my view is we have to work together. Um, Social development is there running, but we must join hands with them, all of us, because otherwise we will not win. And five years down the line, we will be having the same conversation. Okay.
1: Thank you so much, all of you, for your interventions. Dr. Fatima Musi, Dumsile Nala from Childline, Dr. Fatima Musi from the University of Johannesburg, Lumka Olifant from the Department of Social Development, and also Dr. Nessie Zwatiti from uh, UCT's African Feminist Studies. It's been the Monday edition of Power Talk, certainly not how I expected Monday to begin. And I can see that many people are still in the conversation that we had beh- before the news, and many people are saying it was a technical knockout. Lerato One. It's actually not a conversation. It's not a competition. It is actually just a reflection of um, how how terrible debating still skills are um, in a society where people feel that it's okay to insult other people because. They don't agree with them or they are being challenged too hard. Uh, I will say this, though, to Memohadi Mohoka, who says, Lerati, you could have disagreed with Ndo, but you have a responsibility towards us. No, uh, I also have a responsibility to myself. Okay, and let me tell you the responsibility to myself. I'm here given the grace and a platform to facilitate conversations as best that we can. What I am not is a punching bag for people who are going to project their insecurities or their anger on me because at that point in time, you are naked and exposed to the fact that you actually don't have an answer for the public. I am not going to be anybody's punching bag. Not today, not yesterday, not tomorrow. You best be assured of that, Osmohadi. Not today. Tomorrow I'm in Cape Town because I'm in Cape Town. When I'm back, maybe it would have died down. But let me tell you, I am not going to be tried. Not to be tried by Love Mondo or anybody else. I'm not one for trifling.
0: You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.